Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by every ligament, with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Man, that was fun. That was fun. You know, my, the only concern is I know we have a few, few guys roughly my age in here who were raised on Christian music and, you know, Christian uh, praise and worship music and what has been called Christian rock, whatever that means. And I was just hoping that none of those guys would actually take their shirts off this morning. So that was good. We seem to have made it thus far. And Doug and Mike and I, we still all have our shirts on. So it's all, it is all good. It's a dangerous thing though, right? I want you to recognize that it's a dangerous thing to wade into the waters of musical preference, right? It is a dangerous thing because, man, people, people feel deeply about about their music, their church music, amen? Yeah, talking with folks and, and telling them, hey, we're going we're gonna to sing some of these songs. I mean, you, you start to awaken those passions, and man, it's, it's dangerous. It's almost like talking to people about money or sex or vaccines. It's tough. But I, but I want to give you some explanation as to why we're doing it. As you heard Tamara say, we are in a sermon series entitled uh, Faith as a Team Sport and subtitled for these five weeks at least, This is Who We Are. Because I, I, I do think at times we forget to remember who we are. And, and when folks who come to church on a regular basis forget to remember who we are, then they're capable of all kinds of things like treating the church like the neighborhood restaurant that no longer serves the food that you like. That happened to me not too long ago. It didn't take much. You just took one book, one book decision, and somebody said, ah, I'm out. Really? That's, that's... Then you don't understand who we are as people. If you treat your church, any church, like a restaurant, again, if you take the consumer's posture or position, then you actually have a bad ecclesiology. Big word that we're going to come back to a couple times. In fact, let me just go ahead and tell you about the two big words that we're going to that are come up later in the, in the service. Eschatology, which is the theology of the end times, the study, the God talk about the end times. And ecclesiology, the study of the church. God talk about how churches function, how you define success, this, that, and the other. And I want to say this to you up front. Your eschatology, how you believe things are drawing to a close, 
will directly impact how you understand the church. So your eschatology impacts your ecclesiology. Just quick, for example, we'll come back to this again. If you think eschatology is summed up in, in an idea like this, that God's going to destroy the earth and take all the good people somewhere else, then you will have certain ideas about how the church will function in the meantime. Make sense? You'll have certain ideas as to how the church should function in the meantime. This is where we gather our, in our holy huddles, the people that God will whisk away to safety while eliminating everybody else. That church behaves in a particular way toward a particular vision of the end, eschatology. But if, and by the way, that way I believe is in violation of the character of God and also scripture. But if you buy what you read that has to do with the character of God seen most clearly in the face of Christ and all God's people said, <laughs> that was half-hearted, I'll give you another chance later. And you buy the words on the page in the book of Revelation that say this, God will someday finish what God started. God will come where God's people are and finish what God started. If that's what you believe when you talk about the end, capital E, that God will someday complete what God has finished, that God means what God said when God said creation is good, 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 and if you remember, very good, then you would expect your church to behave differently toward that particular end. Yes, in fact, then what we are, and this is what the book of Ephesians says time and again, time and again, time and again, what we are is a taste, as a taste, or at least that's what we can be, at least that's what we're supposed to be, a taste of what God has in mind, what God has in store for all of creation. Man, God had this great idea, and he named it the church. This place where people would, if they are always oriented by and organized around the cross, this place where people can start to see with their very own eyes what God dreams for all of us and all of creation, people who live together work together, serve together, disagree Christianly. None of this means that you can't disagree, but it does mean that you will disagree in certain sorts of ways, right? People who will understand the others on the other side of the room, not as competitors, but as collaborators. Even and again, perhaps especially when I find myself not agreeing with the mindset, the opinions, the votes, the decisions that the other would make. In the hands of God, that kind of difference can be understood as diversity, which means we have a larger print. Now, if you forget that the church, the local church, is God's idea, and it's supposed to be a foretaste, first taste, of what God has in mind for all of creation, if you forget that, or if you understand that eschatology is just the way that God eliminates all of our enemies, man, I can see why people wander away from that church. I would too. Just so you know, I would too. 
And so we're doing this music thing. Music. While we are aware of our fondness for these songs, and may even feel a sense of homesickness because we don't hear them as often as we like, I think we are instinctively aware that there will be new songs. There will be new songs and new lyrics, new music, new tunes. Imagine, imagine if we were not free to write or sing other songs, no new lyrics, and stuck with the same tunes. Things are going to change because people change. Society moves. By the way, the church sometimes isn't great at moving along with it. There has been a time when the church enforced kind of violently that the sun rotated around the earth. Newsflash. The sun does not rotate around the earth. Amen. Yeah, that's where I get an amen. Yeah. But the church enforced the wrong idea, the bad idea, until finally science said, yeah, actually, can we rethink this? And it did. It had a dramatic impact on our theology. And as Wesleyans, as Wesleyans, as people like us, we are always the people who are willing to have new insight shape what we think. But even as things change, some things do remain the same. If you'll notice, we still sing congregationally. That's an important thing. We still sing away from ourselves in the hopes that we could reorient to the one, around the one who calls us into the room. And no matter how much things change, no matter how much the music changes, some of these things like that, the reorientation process, remain the same. And all God's people said, yeah, you got to do better with that, y'all. Come on now. This is being broadcast, right? So you got to do better. And as you can tell, it's not just music, is it? Things change where the church is concerned. The operation of the church, the organization of the church, even the look of the church, things change. And not just here, but lots of places. But that is not just okay. It is good, and I would submit it's crucial. Now, some of us have felt and have expressed a sense of homesickness which is absolutely understandable. In a series like this one, and against the backdrop of so much change inside and outside the church, we're reminded then of who we are as the body, what remains unchanged. In this series, we are looking for that which remains unchanged. What stays the same even as the songs change? What stays the same even as my favorite song isn't sung? all the time. Some of y'all really like that awesome God song. I could hear it. (laughs) One of the things that doesn't change, or at least shouldn't change, is this. We are God's idea. And we are a God-designed team. I'm kind of a sports guy, so just stick with me here while, while we talk about this. We are a God-designed team, otherwise known as the church or the body of Christ. And our teamwork is of vital importance. Our unity, our unity, is one of our main concerns and objectives. And if you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that we work very hard to draw a distinction between the word unity and the word uniformity. Uniformity means that everybody has to be the same, look the same, sound the same, right? Unity is, no, 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 we are together, though we are different, you know, like a marriage. 
<laughs> Got an amen there too, okay. <laughs> we are God's intention, God's idea, God's blueprint in some sense for what God hopes for, for all creation. And so I'm drawn as a pastor, now this is an intentional look, this successories look, because I am drawn to some of these teamwork images, right? Here's one. You might be able to read it. It says this, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Yeah, I know, it's cheesy, but man, I'm, I'm drawn to it. Or this one, coming together is a beginning, keeping together is progress, working together is a success. Oh, I like that one too. And I like this, like this one because I like uh, sculling or sweep rowing. I like all of that. And this one says, teamwork is the ability to work together toward a common vision, the ability to direct individual accomplishment toward organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. I'm not a sucker for these things, which means that the ones that are parodies of these hurt my feelings, like this one. <laughs> A few harmless flakes working together can unleash an avalanche of destruction. <laughs> Sad, but, but true. Here's another one. Committees. It's just like teamwork, only without the work. <laughs> yeah, I see some people nodding in agreement there. Here's one. Also, sweep rowing. Teamwork, never underestimate the personal satisfaction of having plenty of others to blame for your own mistakes. <laughs> so, such odd amens. We, we should be honest with one another during this entire series, but specifically today as we talk about unity, sometimes we fall short, right? Sometimes the church thing doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work for a season. You have seen it. I've seen it. There have been seasons here where it hasn't worked, perhaps for you right now. It's not working right here. It's, it's just the reality of it. It's just the way it happens sometimes. It's part of the reason. We used to, when we were working through the three things that we do, we used to say, we do these things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, open friendship for the sake of the world. When one of our staff members, staff members spoke up and said, I'm not sure that we do that, actually, I'm lonely. And so we said, ah, okay, let's address the loneliness, but let's be more honest. And we say this now, we are learning to do these three things. Because we are, I am, you are, we are. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, open friendship for the sake of the world. Sometimes it doesn't work. And you know what? It, scripture actually records instances in which it doesn't work. You know my favorite book of the Bible. All right, let's see if, let's see if you do know it. For those of you who are just joining us and are, or are visiting, listen to this. My favorite book of the Bible is? Oh, I love Revelation. I love everything about it. I love it. Chapters 2 and 3 are just chock full of letters to seven churches. Two of those letters are complimentary. Five of those letters <laughs> record the voice of Jesus saying, boy, I've had enough of you who are doing damage to the name of the kingdom and church and faith and Christianity. One of those churches was the church in Ephesus. Yeah. Same Ephesus. 
there was uh, a church, a pretty strong, solid church here in the Roman Empire in Ephesus. In fact, this church in Ephesus is mentioned more than a dozen times throughout Scripture. The last time it's mentioned, it's in Ephesians 2. Now before Ephesians, I'm sorry, is Revelation 2. Now before this, it actually is mentioned in some complementary ways. These are people who have borne up. They have suffered against the backdrop of the encroaching Roman Empire. It's almost as if the Roman Empire insisted you worship the Roman Emperor and the Roman Empire. It's almost as if partisan politics and theology were, were, you didn't know where one stopped and the other began. That didn't sound familiar, does it? But over a period of time, they started to wander away from the truth. In fact, listen to this from Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, a lampstand, that's how we know we're talking to a local church. It actually says this in the book of Revelation. If you have a lampstand, then God places that lamp on that lampstand, and you are a local church because God has blessed and ordained you as a local church. These are the ones, these are the words of the one who gave you your lampstand. Verse 2, Jesus says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. Here's the thing. These folks were good at theology. They were good at theology. So good that they could tell you when you were wrong and then tell you that you were wrong. Not always bad, but not the chief reason for our existence as a church. Verse three, I also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up against this encroaching Roman Empire, and bearing up for the sake of my name, and that you have not grown weary, then all of a sudden comes verse four, but I have this against you, says Jesus to the local church, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember then from what you have fallen. Repent, turn around, make the changes you need to make, and do the works that you did at first. And if not, says Jesus, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is what Jesus is saying here to this church that is so right that it has sacrificed love in the process of being right. Jesus says, well, there'll come a point then. If it doesn't start with love, then it's not representative of me, says Jesus. And I will withdraw my presence, steeple or not, and you will not represent me. Man, what happened to that place? I, I don't know. I don't know. Can't, can't be sure. I mean, we can make some guesses, but... It does seem that love was the casualty, right? Love was the casualty. Perhaps, perhaps the partisan political debate had seeped into the pores of the church and they could not not have the argument. Who knows? Maybe all the way back then it was about vaccines. 
or COVID protocols. Who knows? In any event, watch this. In any event, it seems that one side won the argument, soundly defeating and effectively eliminating the other side. You ever heard of the whole, ever heard of the phrase, won the battle and lost the war? Sometimes there is great cost to winning the war of ideas such that you can claim the trophy called right. So how do we, church, how does OKC first? How do we avoid a similar threat, a similar ending? This church did not survive, by the way. We must keep hold of that which doesn't change. We survive by remembering to remember who we are as a reflection of who God is. And so far, this this is what we've said. We have said, we are the embodiment of the heart and the passion and the intention of God who, for whatever reason, has chosen to renew and restore all of creation through a person, Christ, and then a people known as the body of Christ. That's who we are. Ephesians 2 tells us this, we are a new humanity created solely, created by the grace of God, seen most clearly in the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, and now enabled and empowered and equipped by the spirit, the wind, the breath that filled the lungs of Christ. We said this from Ephesians chapter 3. We are the family of God, organized and animated by love. Man, watch out for those churches, this one or any other, who seem to be organized and animated by something other than love as it's defined and described and embodied by Jesus. And you can find those places, and they still kind of want to call themselves churches. But be very, very wary of any place that is animated or organized by anything other than love. And we gather to be reminded of and shaped by and sent by the peculiar, distinctive, dynamic, relentless love of God. So far, these are just the mere descriptions, answers to the question, who are we? This is our calling. I'm I'm a little concerned when this terminology of calling is reserved only for people who do what I do for a living. Because if calling is only something that I experience as a pastor or perhaps as a missionary, then perhaps I am not taking as seriously as I should or we aren't taking as seriously as we should that you, by virtue of being a believer and belonging to a body of Christ, you also have a calling that is to be a first fruit of all that God wants to see happen in all of creation. Now here's a place. And all God's people said... Man, you have a calling. And if you don't feel like yet you have a calling, we need to talk. Really, what you need to do is take Jason's class. Because learn to read the scriptures, and it is unmistakable that each one of us has a calling. This is our calling to be the people of God, the body of Christ. A first look at what God dreams for all of us, all of creation. This is our 
calling. And so Paul says in chapter four, I therefore the prisoner in the Lord, he was in prison as he writes this to them, beg you church to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with, and this is how you will do it. This is how you will work on this unity piece right here amongst you. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Here's the problem. Paul wrote this prior to Facebook. He probably would have written something different if Facebook had... Man. N.T. Wright says, peace is difficult. Unity seems impossible. But the one thing we can't do is pretend that this isn't a central and vital issue and he's talking about the unity amongst the believers in the local churches. Can I ask you a question? This is gonna be something of a refrain from now to the end. How are you doing? Are you working on this unity piece? What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing to work on this unity piece? Because there's a laundry list of things you could do, right? If you have a difference with someone, folks, in the era of a hyper-churched Oklahoma City area, here's how people who have a difference with somebody else, even the person up front, and you just go to a different church. I mean, somebody who's better at golf than I can can probably, with the three wood, hit three different churches from here. Did you do it? Brady could? Yeah, somebody could. And we opt out of the exercises that make us, us. If that's how you're going to do it, if that's how you're going to do me, (laughs) then just know this. I'm I'm sorry to see you go, but I want you to know this too. And you are opting out of the exercises that allow you you to be a part of the process whereby God renews and restores all of creation, perhaps starting with your own household. We differ, we disagree. (laughs) Our having no differences or disagreements, that's not what shows us to be the people of God. What shows us to be the people of God is how we go about disagreeing, church. Because, I don't know if you know this, but you can look around and see evidence of Christian people disagreeing poorly, can't you? No, one of the greatest exports that we have, where the world outside of this local church is concerned, one of the greatest exports we have is the manner in which we can demonstrate that it is possible to be wolves and lambs. You can't have a wolf and lamb kingdom if you get rid of all the wolves. You can't have a wolf and lamb kingdom if the wolves eat all the lambs. No offense, lamb family. So, Paul goes on to say, again, trying to reinforce, and this, if this sounds curriculum, we think that this probably was curriculum. Perhaps this was curriculum in what we might call a pre-baptism class, right? Listen to this. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all and in all. 
Wow. Yeah, by the way, we're going to have a baptism Sunday coming up, second Sunday of September. And already, we have a neat list of names, like a family, a couple of generations that want to go through the process and the classes before the ritual, the process whereby one takes a fresh look at one's commitments, at one's sense of identity, at one's purpose. I love that it's multiple members of the same family. And let me say again, if you would like to be baptized, and that would mean that you would go through these same classes with this family, then please let us know. Info at okcfirst.com. We'll get back to you. If you would like to affirm that you are this odd person known as a member of the body of Christ, if you'd like to affirm that for your own benefit and also the edification of the entire church, we'll have something for you then as well. But we are meant to be here as an outbreak of God's eternity. And baptism is one of those ways that we bring people into that new way of being alive. Let me ask you again. How are you working on the unity bit? It, it, is, it is working on mending a fence that perhaps is damaged, but it might also be just getting to know somebody that you don't know very well. It might be moving somebody from complete stranger to at least acquaintance before moving them on to friendship. But our being together and our being together as friends, our being together is a crucial step in the process of becoming the fullness of Christ. What are you doing? What are we doing? It matters how you feel about the other people in the room. Faith is a team sport. And there are all kinds of good reasons for faith to be a team team sport. And, And here's one of the things. When we are together, We can help one another to navigate such a confusing, contradictory culture. When we work together, and and someone said this to me this week, hey, I work a, a very taxing job, and I work 40, 50, maybe 60 hours a week. I can't come and volunteer, and I get that. There are seasons of life like that. I completely get that. But you are doing your part if you are, if you are working your work by faithing the faith. I hope you understand what I mean there. If you are going to work, no matter what you're doing, if you are working in the banking industry, if you're working in oil and gas, if you are working in in medicine, if you are working, whatever the industry is, if you will go and you will be there as a representative of the body of Christ who understands himself or herself first and foremost as a Christian before you are fill in the blank, then you are doing your part. You are doing your part. Yeah, in other words, this same love goes with you wherever you go, no matter the vocation that you choose. But what we do when we gather is important, and I would submit to you that I'm not sure that we can do what we're asked to do without gathering like this. We are asked to be the church in a neighborhood that takes responsibility for the neighborhood around the church, but also 
the neighborhood that travels here by car from wherever it is that you're coming from. We're responsible to take a look at all of that life and ask ourselves a very important question. What should the kingdom impact of our church be now? If driven and organized by love, then what should it look like for us to be this church in this area right here, right now? And friends, I have a lot of people who have sort of outgrown church and they just go to Starbucks and they find somebody with whom they can have deep relationship and they'll report back to me, I've really had church. You know, what you've had is coffee. And it's fine and it's great. But we're organizing to take a stand against suicide. We're organizing to take a stand against isolation. We're organizing to take a stand against a disease. We're organizing to take a stand against biblical illiteracy and illiteracy of any kind. We're organizing to take a stand against the kind of partisan politics that results in a particular posture. We're organizing to be like that. And I'm telling you, a lot of good can be done across the table with coffee in your hand at Starbucks, but you can't do all of that. You know why? Because we aren't all there together doing it. So what we do here is important. As a matter of fact, how are you helping? Jesus gives gifts to the people who are members of the body of Christ. He gives these gifts that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Verse 14, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every one of those cable news networks, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Here's our we are statement for today. We are still growing and growing up into unity, into the fullness of Christ and maturity. I'm keenly aware of our capacity, my capacity for immaturity. <laughs> Disagreements will be a constant, but they don't have to be covenant breakers. Again, again, your eschatology will have something to do with your ecclesiology. How it is that you see God completing this story with a capital S will have a lot to do with how you understand your church, your expectations for your church. And I need to tell you, if you haven't heard it yet, or if you're just 
listening for the first time today, you need to hear that we are practicing what I believe to be an eschatology, and it didn't originate with me. You need to know that. An eschatology that we believe is faithful not only to the words of Scripture, but also to the heart and the character of God that we see demonstrated most clearly in Christ. We believe that God will make God's home with God's people, and that God will finally come and finish all that God started. And so as a church, we're trying to find our place in that process. What does that look like? Well, it looks like VBS, especially this past year, where you had kids from United Myanmar Baptist Church, and you had kids from Impact Church, and you had kids who spoke Spanish, and you have kids from OKC First, the ones that are always roaming the halls, lurking about here, and they were all together, together. You know why it's important to me that we have multiple congregations here living in peace? Because I think someday folks will live in peace together who are different. You get it? Do you know why we take seriously that the church could actually be a place that could house the means of healing in a vaccination clinic? It's because I believe that someday people will understand that medical science and faith should not be separated. You can do one and do the other at the same time. Folks, we'll probably do that again. Now, if my announcement that we would do a vaccination clinic again is enough to send you out the door because you don't agree with the politics therein, you don't understand what it means to be the church. And I really wish you'd get the shot. We can disagree and do it well enough that it is in and of itself our disagreement, a testimony to the people looking on and wondering whether or not it makes any sense that we would gather anymore. The unity of our community is meant to be evidence of the new creation. Our love is meant to show the way, both as the means and the end of God's dream for all of us. Now, I know it doesn't always work like that, does it? And it doesn't because there are partisan political issues to argue, votes to cast, different teams to root for, simple human brokenness that too often erupts into dislike, perhaps hatred, and division. But again, unity is the goal, not uniformity. And we can learn and relearn and relearn the fine art of disagreeing Christianly if we have eyes and ears for it as we approach the table. You do realize, right, as we get ready to approach the table, Dr. Rieger, you do realize, right, that in that moment, Jesus handed elements to one who was going to absolutely betray him and another who would absolutely disown him. There are resources. There are resources at the table to encourage and support and perhaps equip and enable you to be a better, more functional member, yes, of the body of Christ, but of a wolf and lamb community. To sit with 
and love folks with whom you disagree. Because I'm, I'll say it one more time and I'll be done saying it. Because it is in our capacity to love one another while we disagree that we are perhaps offering, offering our chief witness to the world at large. Everyone needs some of these elements. Now, I keep saying this because I keep intending that someday we get back to intention, but right now it makes sense just to do it like this. If you do not yet have these elements, would you raise your hand and we'll make sure that people come to you and you get what you need. Everybody raise your hand. And while this is happening, Heavenly Father, bless these elements and with them, God, give us the capacity, the strength, the courage, the courage to be members of the body of Christ. Give us the courage as we remember all over again this incredible moment, this incredible scene from Scripture. Give us the courage and the capacity to seek forgiveness, the courage and the capacity to forgive the courage and capacity to extend ourselves to the other for the purpose of building on this sense of unity. Give us with this little piece of bread and this little sip of juice, give us more capacity today than we had yesterday to offer up to a world that's dying to see it, evidence of a faith that can work and mend and heal God because this is who we are as a reflection of who you are. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. And having blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you and every time you eat of it, remember me. And so church, if you would now, take and break and eat. same way after dinner he took the cup and he held it up before them and said and this is my blood the blood of a new covenant and every time you drink of it including today remember me and now church let's take and drink heavenly father we confess that sometimes we lose the beat. Sometimes our lives are, are so busy that we, that we lose the beat of the song you want us to sing. It, it may be, Lord, that we are intimidated out of that song. We, we lose the beat because we're intimidated. For whatever reason, God, remind us of who you are so that we can be reminded of who we are as a reflection. Remind us again, God, that in this liturgical moment that we have just enjoyed, that sure, we eat in remembrance, but there are so many ways in which we drink in hope. Remind us, God, that we are the people who carry that message of hope that we carry the kingdom forward as we do the smallest things like greet, so important. 
And as we do the larger things, like design an entire ministry to tackle a pandemic, or literacy, or hunger. And as I get out of the way, would you now pray your own prayer of confession? Confess the ways in which you have fallen short as it has to do with living up to our calling to be the body of Christ. hear this before I turn it over to Jason. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Let's continue in these moments of prayer as I pray for some folks in our congregation and around our congregation who needs God's continued healing, wholeness, and help in their lives. Would you pray along with me? Jesus, we ask that you would come alongside of Cherie Murray as she recovers from her hip replacement surgery earlier this week. God, would you be with Mark and their kids as they love and surround her and nurse her back to health? God, we ask that you be with Callie Mason, not a member here, but definitely a friend of the congregation with loved ones and people close by her side. A young woman who helped lead worship for our kids camp this last week, who I understand is in the hospital now in the ICU with significant health problems, including heart problems. And so would you pray as I pray for her, God, we ask that she would come alongside and bring healing and hope to the Mason family and especially Callie and her heart. God, we ask that you would continue to come alongside of Teresa Veach as she slowly recovers from her car accident. God, would you be with her? And God, would she know that you're near by her side? God, we ask that you would continue to be with Gerald and Frida Human, and even as I pray their names, I get a big smile on my face. God, would you care for this couple in the latter years of their lives and be with them each and every day. God, would you be with Pam and RB as they love and care for Pam's folks. God, we thank you for the humans and ask God for your love and your care and your provision and your presence for them. God, we ask that you would continue to be with Dennis Bratcher, Angela Adams, James Shea as those three have had or continue to have cancer in their lives, looking to overcome this cancer. And as Mark plays some of these familiar tunes, would you pray for someone in your life who needs God's healing touch, and it may be that they need healing from cancer. God, we want to specifically pray for two or three families in the life of our church who have loved ones who are now resting in the hospital or in the ICU with complications due to COVID. God, we ask that you would bring healing, hope, in your presence to those families who are worried now. And God, that your strong sense of your spirit would be with them and rise with them. God, we ask that you would be this morning with the lonely, with the outcast. God, we ask that you would be with people who are incarcerated or struggling with complications with their incarceration. God, we ask that you'd be with those who are struggling this morning with whatever addiction may be taking hold of their life, whatever hurt, habit, or hang-up that gets in their way. And God, we ask for your love and your presence to be with each of us and between us and with us. God, we ask that you would transform our lives as you transform the whole world, maybe prayer by prayer, communion by communion, 
moment by moment. And would you do it even now as we pray this prayer together, the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. And it should be on the screen in front of you if at this time it's unfamiliar. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.